Hello guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's Not The Top 20 uh, podcast. I'm Ali Maxwell, on the line with me today is George Ellick, and we're talking all things EFL, or are we? Because actually, I can let you into a secret, we are going to be talking about some actual football on this podcast, but I'm not going to tell you what or why, but I will tell you when, at the end of the podcast, after the meaty section Uh, which you will enjoy very much. Uh, We're going to be talking about some actual football, but I'm not going to tell you any more than that. George Ellick, uh, it's great to to be talking football with you. And you, Ali Maxwell. There was quite a lot of news just towards the end of last week, various meetings and headlines and uh, lots of things to get through. Um, uh, To what extent do you think it was a good weekend for Swindon Town, Crew Alexandra (laughs) and Plymouth Argyle? Yes, it certainly looks like it was a very good weekend for them. Uh, it's not finalised yet, but League Two have voted unanimously to c- cease playing this season uh, to go along with the EFL proposed framework of having playoffs for the teams finishing uh, between fourth and seventh on a points per game. So not a weighted, but an unweighted points per game uh, scenario, which would see those three teams that you mentioned getting promoted. But is it all that simple? Quite a big but, I think. Yeah, I mean, is it that simple? That's the thing I've seen quite a lot of discussion, uh, assuming that that is now gospel, that that has now happened in League Two. But we have spoken to the man who knows far better than us as to what's going on. Uh, He's been on the pod a couple of times in the last few weeks and is the Athletics, Matt Slater. And anyone who's heard Matt on the podcast before will know that he is very, very clued up. He's very much in the know when it comes to what is going on at the moment uh, in both the Premier League and the EFL around the coronavirus uh, scenario and situation so we're very very lucky to be able to call upon Matt to come and join us and basically tell us what on earth is going on. <laughs> Absolutely Matt was one of a few athletic writers who released an article uh, at the end of the week or maybe the start of the weekend uh, entitled what really happened inside English football's crisis talks and from the Premier League down to League Two it really does give a lot of detail and tries to sum up Uh, which we're also doing on today's podcast, where we are at. Uh, The Athletic's obviously full of good stuff, not just uh, Matt Slater's writing, although that is right up there. There's also an amazing breakdown of last year's Spygate scandal involving Leeds and Derby County. Uh, The man, Phil Hay, and the man, Ryan Conway, uh, have cooked that one up, and that is a fantastic read. It it feels like a lot longer than uh, 18 months or so ago. So, as ever, uh, if you haven't signed up to The Athletic, you can... Help support this podcast and get access to a simply excellent array of football writing and US sports as well, of course, by heading to theathletic.co.uk forward slash NTT20. That is NTT20. That'll get you, well, a seven day free trial so you can make sure you try before you buy, but also 50% off your annual subscription, which comes out to about two quid fifty a month, I think. So give it a go today and help support this podcast, theathletic.co.uk forward slash NTT20. We're very grateful that Matt Slater was able to join us on this podcast. My grand plan was to split it into Championship League One and League Two to try and provide a bit of clarity about the various nuances of those three divisions. But quite quickly, we realised that that just simply cannot be done because everything, even if it doesn't seem so, is still intertwined. Here is Matt Slater talking all things EFL. Matt, always delighted and uh, a little relieved, to be honest, when you agreed to come on the podcast because uh, you are able to 
sift through some pretty tricky topics um, without drawing breath normally. I'll try to breathe. <laughs> Brilliant to have you back on the podcast. So let's start with the championship. Uh, as mentioned before we introduced you, there is a brilliant breakdown of all of this on the athletics site. Uh, yourself and a lot of your colleagues doing fantastic work to provide the, the sort of broadest outlook imaginable, the most detailed uh, that we can find at the moment. But let's start with the championship because uh, according to that piece, uh, and as far as we know, the clubs came together on Wednesday last week. So I guess the first question is, fr from what you know, uh, how did that meeting play out between the championship clubs? Um, I think the championship meeting on the Wednesday was, was pretty cordial in that... Um, Certainly, publicly, they are all of a mind to finish the season. They are they are very, very, very much guided by the Premier League, and I don't think we should be surprised by that because so they're pretty much all dying to get into the Premier League. And if the Premier League can play and can finish its fixtures and, and pull off Project Restart, well, the Championship thinks it can too. Um, like the Premier League, it's had some issues big issues around this idea that they would have to play in approved neutral stadiums. And we know that that was an issue for the Premier League clubs as well. And they have effectively leaned on the government to ask the police to have a rethink about that. So we're kind of waiting for that process to, to work through. Um, you know, as you might remember, the idea was that um, police and the local safety advisory groups who give approval to, to, um, to the stadium so you can you can stage a game were, were worried that fans would congregate outside stadiums and social distancing would break down it was the kind of thing that we well the, the idea was that it happened at Paris Saint-Germain when they played Borussia Dortmund it happened in Valencia when they played Atlanta now that was both both those games were before lockdown it was before all of us in the world had got used to these dreadful headlines and statistics of lots and lots of people dying it's before I think we all really kind of grasped what coronavirus was about so um there's a bit of opposition to that and there was a lot of kind of you know questions about well why, why does it have to be this way if, if germany are going with home and away games and it looks like spain are as well italy poland portugal you know why why are we not trusting our fans to to be sensible and and if you really are talking about a couple of games i.e leads going up Liverpool winning the title can't you just police those games does it do we really think that 200 games you can have 200 flashpoints it just didn't seem very very probable so anyway that that process was discussed on Wednesday as well um we are kind of waiting now the, the way the football authorities and and the government are kind of referring to it is it's a dialogue nothing nothing's been decided um we've asked football to do a bit more modeling is the sort of word they're using which i guess would just be you know sort out sort out your fixtures when and where they'll be played um you know really kind of nail down your protocols for who will be at these games how they're getting there so look that's 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 happening um in terms of the kind of debate about all right what happens if we can't play what happens if the costs of testing are too much what happens if the logistics of it just become a headache and problematic we're not quite there yet i mean obviously they're talking about it non-stop in private um we we you know i think a few clubs are 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 floating the idea of of curtailment is uh, is the official phrase you know can can we can we end it can we null and void it um 
And I don't think any of those clubs will surprise you. They're the, they're the, they're the clubs that are threatened by relegation in exactly the same way it is in the Premier League. Now, on that, we've had a very clear message from the FA. The FA have sort of oversight of all of this. You know, they are the governing body. They have made it pretty clear that for professional football, we know we've had it in non-league, but for professional football, we don't like null and voiding. Mm-hmm. Knock-on effects, legal legal ramifications, you know, what the, the fairness of it with three quarters four-fifths of the way through the season. So a strong lead from the FA that, guys, we're not really going to go for that. And then null and voiding, I think, just just opens up massive cans of worms in terms of teams who will feel they've been deprived of promotion, feel they've deprived of European football in the Premier League, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So big problems around null and voiding. And then it just kind of, okay, if it's not going to be null and voiding, if you're going to lose that vote, anyone that tries that, what are we doing? Points per game? What points per game? Weighted for home and away. Strength of opposition. Mm. Do we go straight points per game? If so, why? Um, and these are the debates that the kind of the EFL, I think, are further down the road than the Premier League are because the Premier League are 100% publicly, we're, we're going to finish. So the Championship is a bit of a halfway house. It's sort of, you know, it's, it's got one eye sort of looking over here going, well, I know what non-league and League 2 and League 1 are kind of talking about. And when I, when I speak, I'll be honest with you, when I speak privately to Championship bosses, it's 50 50. Mm. I asked them, you know, do, do you think you're going to finish the games? And it's it's 50 50. They've got 100 plus games to finish. Um, there isn't there isn't the obvious TV demand that you get in the Premier League, um, and they and they have you know a, 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 it's a broad church. There are people who are just looking at the costs with the test and thinking, no, what's the point? I can't do that. The other big issue, of course, between the EFL and the Premier League is the is the player contracts. In we know there's this June 30th cliff edge. Regular season goes up to June 30th. June, July 1st is the start of the new season. Loads and loads and loads of EFL players are out of contracts on June 30th. Mm. Okay, okay, you can you can you can extend those contracts. The AFL, FIFA, UEFA, everyone said you can. We're going to let you do that. But it's, that's extra money. That's that's a, a it might be an extra bit of insurance as well. And you're also asking players to take a bit of a risk. You know, you could you could you could do your cruciate ligaments playing for me in that final month, and if you've got a, a better deal lined up for next season, too bad. Mm. So, big big competitive integrity issues. So, just the, the all the EFL is complicated. I think what's interesting about the championship is, it is it is there is more TV money there. They have bigger season tickets issues as well. So, if they don't play the games, they will have bigger rebates to make, and they are so keen. They don't want to give the Premier League any excuse not to relegate teams. Mm. You know, that is the big fear that I think is driving lots of the championship sides. If we don't promote and relegate, how can we expect the Premier League to? So that's it. I mean, it, it strikes me as being an interesting league because we've, we've read in your pieces over the last few weeks, we've heard often from Rick Parry that the EFL are very, very keen to make sure that whatever outcome we see in League One and League Two, it's the same. It feels like that it's probably the same case in an ideal world with the championship as well. But given how wedded they are to the Premier League and how they're going to want to do basically whatever the Premier League do, how much of an issue, and of course the fact as well that these conversations in League One and League Two are happening before they would have to happen in the championship. So how much of an issue is that going to be for the EFL if, for example, they decide that League One is determined a certain way with weighted points per game in a playoff, and then two weeks down the line, the championship is called off and they can't agree on the same terms? Yeah, this is massive. And this is where we get into the sort of the EFL rule book. So um, 
if we just kind of, I know we didn't, we wanted to do it in this order, but League Two's gone first, right? So League Two have effectively agreed with the EFL board's recommendations, apart from one thing, which, which is really important. So they agreed on, guys, I think we should end the season. Yeah, I think we should um, we should take a normal points per view, you know, basis. Let's decide the table on that, so that we're not punishing anyone with games in hand, but we are being as close as possible to how the season's gone. So this is this is their rationale for not using weighted points per view, uh, points per game, or um, you know, strength of opposition, or run of form, or anything like that. We're not predicting anything that might ha- not have happened yet. We are we are we're going to do the final table on as close as we can as to what you've achieved so far this season, because there's actually quite an interesting thing about the EFL rulebook that is different to the Premier League rulebook, and I think people are getting their heads around this right now. I didn't know this until a few days ago. In the Premier League rulebook, it says the season is over when everyone has played each other twice. In the EFL rulebook, it says the season is over after the last game. <laughs> Subtle difference, yeah? Open to interpretation. Now, if you think about that, that means the EFL could have taken the final standings as they are now. Well, they could have said, look, guys, we've look, for force majeure reasons, we can't play anymore. There's your final table. They have realised, I think, you know, sense of justice. If you've got two games in hand, a game in hand, let's try and, let's try and address that. But that's as far as we need to go on, on, on sort of sorting that out. So in League Two, they, they took the recommendations so straight points per game. Um, uh, the teams in the automatic promotion places uh, should go up. The teams, of the, the four playoff teams, let's try and have a playoff because, you know, Sky want that. Sky definitely want the playoffs. Um, and everyone else, yeah, is everyone okay with that? And, and you know, magnanimously, fate, you know, Port Vale agreed to it. And was it, um, who was the other one? can't remember now. Uh, uh, I think Port- it was Bradford, wasn't it? I mean, Bradford. Port Vale, yeah. Port vale yeah. have come out of yeah. this very well over the weekend in, in a time yeah. where, in a yeah. time where we seem to be talking about um, people sort of uh, coming up with opinions that suit themselves rather yeah. well. Uh, vale, vale was sort of the antidote to that on the weekend. They were. And um, I know that, People, you know, senior people at EFL massively appreciated that mm. because it, it, I think they did the League Two meeting after the League One meeting. They came out of the League One meeting where it was just pure self-interest mm. into the League Two meeting where there just was this, you know, sense of unanimity. What League Two didn't do though was they they said we don't want to relegate. We don't want to relegate on, on points per game, which is this massive kind of, you know, uh, getting Stevenage off the hook. Mm. Now, if you re- now the problem with that is if you replicate that, and you're right, they want to replicate. They they don't want division specific t- solutions. They want it to make sense. Apparently, as soon as that happened, uh, as soon as they saw that indicative vote, this was an indicative vote. It's not ratified, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, championship clubs were immediately on the phone to the FL saying, "What are you doing?" Mm. If you if you if you say if you set the precedent in League Two that no one's getting relegated, what do you think the Premier League are going to do? So that's going to get unpicked. It is going to get unpicked, I promise you, because it's a rule change. It, it is a rule change. So that would require a majority, 50 plus one of all EFL clubs, all 71 this year, uh, EFL clubs, and a majority in the championship. That's how rule changes work in the mm. EFL. You get an overall majority and the championship has to give it a majority as well. So really what would, what would, what it would come down to is a vote 
not just from League Two clubs about Stevenage, but actually of clubs in all three divisions about whoever is up for the relegation question in their division. So although Stevenage was is the word, the sort of buzzword for that at the moment, yeah. ultimately it's not just about them, but about, let's say, Tranmere, let's say, Charlton or, or, or whoever else in the championship. Correct. And I would add a little wrinkle to that. Is it Stevenage? Wow. Is it really Stevenage? Now, I wonder if that vote, that indicative vote was more about, because that was the only one that wasn't unanimous, by the way. Mm. All the other bits were unanimous. And they, people, other clubs actually talked about that. I said, well, hold on a minute. Sporting integrity, if we're going to promote, if we're going to do the playoffs on this basis, surely we've got to relegate, we've got an obligation to the National League, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which I think a lot of you know neutrals would agree with. Um, I think they oh, maybe they were maybe they just wanted to get home. Maybe they wanted to get off the call. They they went ah, whatever. It's an addictive vote. We'll sort that out later. But I strongly suspect it's because they don't think it's going to be Stevenage, right? Because Macclesfield in their position with is there more? What is yeah, what is I'll, the current situation? It's best to ask just straight up. What is the current situation as well, far I as you understand? I checked on this. Well, bear in mind, I'm I'm speaking to you from Macclesfield, so this is this is of this is of interest to me and my family. Um, so they've had terrible problems all year. Their their owners just kind of given up doing the right thing. Um, they've been late with their wages six times. They've failed to fulfil two fixtures. Um, they've had um, several charges. The most recent ones. And this is the I guess the interesting one because we know that they'd already been dot points earlier in the season. It went to commission, usual kind of hijinks and, you know, trying to mitigate circumstances, aggravating circumstances. The, the nuts and bolts of it is they, they were looking at a really significant sanction that would have taken them bottom. And the commission, and they keep doing this, they're unbelievably lenient. And they talk about proportionality. They talk about what they call totality. And, and they, they, they do it all the time. They did it with Bolton. They've done it with loads of clubs. And I know it's frustrating the EFL, and I think it's frustrating other clubs as well. And the Maxwell case, if you read, if you read the judgment, they they have they have been they've they've had a really real, real touch there, because the you know they were found guilty on everything, you know, not doing the right thing in terms of safety certificates, repeatedly not paying your players, just being late with everything, being late with payments to Plymouth for cancelling that game at the last minute, being late with yeah you know you name it. Right. So and at the end of it, at the end of that damning verdict, instead of giving them four points aggravated breach for the not paying your staff on time and not fulfilling a fixture, both, as I said, repeat offences and unsuspending a three point from earlier in the season, which should have been 11. They got um, they got seven. They got the three points unsuspended and they got those aggravated breaches kind of halved with a bit more suspended. So there's two more points suspended. Now they were already, so they were late with March again. That was for February. They were during, during this, this most recent process, they then missed March. The commission said, okay, March was strange, coronavirus, et cetera, et cetera. They're in the last chance saloon. If they are late one more time, one more time, immediately two points get unsuspended, and I think they get charged again. That takes them bottom. It, not to, because this is interesting, and you know, not to digress from the subject of this podcast, but on that point, because it affects Bolton as well. If the season, as we expect, comes to a conclusion, 
and these points deductions may not have had the impact that they would have had if it had played out longer. <laughs> is there any, you know, as Bolton's punishment finished at the end of the season, if they're relegated, is that it? With Macclesfield, with these points hanging over them, if they stay up having been deducted seven points, is, is that the end of their sanctions? Is that the end of the punishment? Uh, well, I mean, it, it kind of depends what happens next. I think Bolton have done and dusted. Bolton have been punished enough. And, 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 for, for, for what they've done so far. I mean, mm. you know, if there's, if there's more to come from Bolton, <laughs> yeah, we start we start the whole process again. But um, I they, guess the interesting thing here would be if it was not avoided, which is off the table, then what would happen? But given that we can be pretty sure that that's not going to be the case. Yeah, I think Bolton are going down and I, I don't think Bolton are making a big fuss about it, to be honest. I really don't. Um, they'll, they'll have a go at null and void, as will Southend, <laughs> as, will, as will others. And I, and, I, and I think they'll lose. And that's fine. I don't see Bolton, Bolton, you know, really kicking off about this. Um, Macclesfield, you know, have argued and have, have gone to these uh, these procedures and have hired a solicitor. They keep losing, but then they keep having these these, you know, they're they're, they're losing the argument, but then kind of winning the mitigation. But they they have absolutely run out of last chances, I would say, and they have. So, as I say, these two suspended points just sitting there for one more late payment of pay of wages, and they've been late six times this season. So it's it's one of those funny things where you know, with the with the best reasoning, we thought it would be clearer to split the leagues up here, but you realise almost instantly that they're that they're all so linked, and, and even if. You can understand why League Two clubs were keen to get that decision out of the way as soon as possible in terms of not playing anymore for the reasons that they have for not playing the championship with their different reasoning. It's actually quite strange for me to realise that if the championship are sort of letting things play out uh, for a bit longer, actually that they're almost at the mercy of what happens in League Two to some extent, or we think they might be at the mercy of, of, of what happens in League Two to some extent by sort of delaying... I suppose, their own decisions. Um, in the piece that you wrote uh, with the championship, because it's it's less clear how things will go and, and the meetings haven't taken place with, um, well, the sort of necessary meetings, I suppose, and discussions haven't taken place. But you did say that um, in terms of training, um, it's it's not allowed to restart until next week. Is that right? Uh, and, and when teams begin training might have an impact on when, if all goes well, they start to play matches again. Yeah, so um, again, I'm sorry to say again, very much led by the Premier League. So there's a Premier League meeting today. This is Monday doing this this podcast. It's just wrapped up and they have, all the clubs have approved the the, the next phase, which is return to training. Um, and it was the thing that the, the only, they, they'd sort of kind of nodded along to stuff before. Today was their chance to sort of say yay or nay uh, on all the, the protocols. So they, they've been approved, uh, which I think means they start, I mean, they've been doing this kind of individual training, as, as you know, and individual fitness training, even at training grounds. Uh, they start training on Monday the 25th, right? And, they, and then that was with the idea of a three-week training. Uh, you know, mid-season, pre-season, if you like. There's still a little bit of, of, of arguing about that one. Uh, a lot of the managers and players feel very strongly it needs to be four weeks. Um, so I suspect we'll get a little bit more on that. 
you know, is it going to be three? Is it four? Because if it's four, the, the target at the moment is to start on June 12th mm-hmm. for the Premier League with ideally the, the, the championship as well. Wouldn't surprise me at all if it goes to June 19th. And then, and then, then it is tight. It is it's tight. Getting, to, you know, we're, we're talking. You've mentioned a few times about the the end of July probably being the, yeah. the the latest to finish the season, even with its own issues of of extending players' contracts potentially by just one month. Uh, if you start on the Jul- June the nineteenth, and you've got is it nine games to play? That that's getting starting to get pretty tight, isn't it? Although there have been clubs. Certainly Oxford, yeah. uh, we spoke to Carl Robinson on the Going Up, Going Down podcast for The Athletic, and he did make the point that, you know, at another point earlier in the season, they played nine games in 27 days or whatever it was, just because of actual football scheduling reasons. So that, that's kind of interesting. Um, to sort of put the championship to one side as a summary, what do you think are the, the sort of key the key things that we'll find out over the next week or so with regard to the champ, um, you know, it, it feels to me like everyone is would be happy to send Leeds and West Brom up, in theory. Then there's one of, well, probably eight to ten teams who, who'd probably like to have a pop at the playoffs. And then there's quite a few teams trying to avoid any sort of relegation. I, I suspect they they are trying to postpone 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 the decision for as long as they can to for a few reasons one let's just see what's going on with the virus let's see what's going on with public perception let's see what's going on with you know just our ability as a nation to test um let's see how the premier league get on let's see how the bundesliga go let's see what the appetite is for televised football um there'll be lots of conversations in the background about you know, you know, is there any more support we can do? Any more deferred payments we can do? Can we advance any more money? All, all going on, right? And they'll be looking and they'll be asking their players, okay, who's up for it? Who can play? Who can't? Who's fit? Who's good to, you know, if if we have a if we have one test, does that mean the whole? How many of them are isolating? If that's the case, you know, what's our you know, what are we doing? Have we got under 23s or under 18s that can play? So there'll be, there's all manner of conversations going on, I, which is why I think it's 50-50 for the championship. But, let, but let's let's say that they do play on. Then then fine. Away we go. Let's, fingers crossed, so they can they can complete the fixtures and uh, everyone goes up as, as, as the fixture calendar intended. If, if they can't, I, I, I think it is this EFL-wide decision we go points per game. We can have a big debate about weighted or unweighted, but it's going to be points per game. And it is top two up, next four in a playoff. Three go down. When when do you reckon, before we move on to League One, when do you reckon, because presumably the EFL are going to be very key for this decision to be made as the whole EFL. And therefore, when do you think we will know, because the championship is what kind of knits it all together. When do you think we will know more about the plans for the championship will it be in a week will it be a matter of days that's a really really good question i think they've got probably got another week i just i just because otherwise that you it, they're going to need some time to train. everyone everyone accepts they're going to need some time to train you can't just send them back out there we already i think we saw from the bundesliga quite a few muscle injuries you know a lot of the players are like well you know if you know, if we're going to be playing this this very intense calendar, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to go in there 80, 90 percent fit. There's issues around competitive integrity as well. You know, is this still the same season if we've taken the longest break since World War Two, and we're not even under proper training? You know, I mean, it just 
there are loads of issues, loads of issues. So I think that I think there has to be a, a three weeks. I think it appears to be the agreed minimum between decision, right? You know, everyone everyone start training again, and then we play. And then I, everyone I speak to, I mean, I, there is this idea. Well, why are we wait? You know, why does it have to finish by July? Why can't we just wait? Those tend to be the people with deeper pockets. They tend to be the people who have really got skin in the game. Everybody else is just thinking. Do you know what? You know, I, I will. Some of my guys will extend. Some of them won't. I just need. I need, I need certainty now. I need absolute certainty. And just put this. The, the prolonging it indefinitely is hurting them. So, I, so I, th- I think they probably got about a week. A week more of thinking and talking and and and, and jockeying. And I think that's where we're at, really. On to League One now, and League One, I think it's fair to say, is just a bit of a mess. I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you the best way I could sum it up is the, it's like the naughty middle child. That's how how I'm thinking of League One at the moment. Well, you literally can't look at the internet at the moment without seeing a club official from a team in the top nine or ten or a team in the bottom six telling you exactly what should happen, what's fair, depending, and surprisingly... The outcome of that scenario always seems to be that their club is either in the playoffs, promoted or relegated. I mean, just to sum up the how it looks at the moment, I think everybody agrees that Coventry deserve promotion and they will get promotion. And then it's that clutch of teams from Rotherham down to Doncaster, no matter what Ipswich fans or, or owners seem to think, I'm not including them in that party whatsoever. Um, you've got some teams from Oxford, Portsmouth, Fleetwood, Peterborough, Sunderland, Wickham, questioning whether or not Rotherham should be given automatic promotion, given they're just two points ahead of third. You've got a team such as Wickham, who are in eighth, who could move up to third on a points-per-game model, but also could just be in the playoffs without the wait, without the waiting, but they currently sit outside the playoffs. You've got Peterborough, who will fall out if it's a points-per-game model, but not weighted. You've got Sunderland, who are just out of the playoffs at the moment on goal difference. It is an absolute mess. And... You know, I, I tweeted about an hour ago, just when kind of doing the research for this, just thinking, if you're, you know, Lincoln owner or you are the Accrington owner and you have to sit in these meetings, listening to just the self-interest being served out by these guys who are just going to refuse to acknowledge any scenario that doesn't benefit them, it must be painful. And I, you know, we, we read about these votes, but how there's going to be another vote next week. I mean, Mm. what are the criteria for a vote to get passed because it seems very unlikely we're going to see anything like the universal agreement that we saw in, in League 2 well I, I think you're absolutely right there, I don't think there will be unanimity there won't be a consensus in League 1 there can't be for all the reasons you've just explained um, League 1's really interesting this year in that you've got you've got some really big teams there you know and, and teams with big budgets you know you, you know, obviously Sunderland Ipswich you know Peterborough have really gone for it this year um, you know, Coventry a big side, obviously, um, and then you've got you've got a couple at the bottom who are just adrift, you know. So it's sort of that's easy. They don't deserve <laughs> they don't deserve any better. Um, you know, Tranmere, AFC, MK, that's tight. Rochdale, but it's that playoff picture. It is it is remarkably tight. And I mean, my my take on it is um, you, you only really want to play on if. Um, if it's for, you know for sporting reasons, I you know you're you're going to get promoted or you're you're Tranmere basically, and you're you're trying you're fighting for survival, or financial reasons, and the, and the, and the two can be linked, very tightly linked. So, I think a good club to think about here would be Ipswich. It's been explained to me that that the cost of testing, 
which is about 140 grand in the EFL. The EFL would do it centrally, and then they would take that money back from you from uh, over, over the next year or so from the central distributions. So that's you know you, you'd be given up 140 grand that you'd think you know you'd, you'd hoped you'd be getting, um, but it wouldn't all go in once you know one go. Um, but there's the extra cleaning costs, extra logistical costs, and extra contract costs if you if you're really going to go for this, and you know you don't you don't want to risk losing a few players. So it's 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 significant. Now you're right, Andy Holt, Accrington, David Bottomley at Rochdale, those sort of guys. You know they're thinking, what's what's the point? Uh, what's the point if you're Lincoln, if you're sitting in the middle of Bristol Rovers, any of those teams, Burton, well-run team. Well, you know what's the point? Ipswich, if they don't play, their season ticket rebate will be bigger than the playing on bill. So it's in their interest to play on. And who knows? They might go on an amazing tear, right? So they, so so they they have a sporting and financial reason to play on. Likewise, Peterborough, you know, they have a sporting and financial reason to play on. Sunderland massively have a have both, right? Mm-hmm. And and my my understanding is Sunderland's chief exec Jim Rodwell was the was the loudest voice in the meeting, the loudest voice. He banged on. So apparently, Dara McAnthony, Peterborough owner, started with a big rallying call. He started the meeting with a. Guys, this is a football competition, not a furloughing competition. You know, why why don't we want to play? We own football clubs, don't we? This is a sporting contest. Why are we having this debate? The government's given us the green light. We should be grabbing this opportunity to play. You know, the rest of them, well, not the rest of them, you know, the, the, the naughty six, the magic six, whatever they're called, the breakaway six, the playoff pretenders. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the rest of them are sort of shuffling around going... Ah, we, 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 we want to stop mm. I'm, I'm losing 17 18 players june 30th i don't what am i going to do but, i mean on the point that you mentioned about the season ticket rebates is there also a financial benefit to some of the smaller clubs who currently have their non-playing staff and, and a large chunk of their playing staff on furlough Absolutely. who also returning to football would be a massive cost to them without the benefit of match day revenue correct that this is andy holt's point you know he, he has he has grabbed for the furloughing opportunity to to start playing again means unfollowing those players i think he's got you know a, a quite a significant number out of contracts it, 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 it just makes no sense for him it makes no financial sense for him and, you know and then you get sort of someone like Tranmere who 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 operate on a small budget and who who tends to think quite logically about these issues but they're kind of you know they're trapped you know they're they're like well you know we're not we're not adrift we were doing all right we were we, we it was all to play for it, so, it, feels, it feels like Mark Palios uh, is probably in, in that group of, of, of CEOs, of chairmen of EFL clubs who, you know, m- might be more adept at looking at the bigger picture than um, pure self-interest. But that, you know, that, that's just my view on, on how I perceive his, his character to be. It might be that, that they're desperate to, to, to play on. But I, I, f- I think it's been mooted that Tranmere would be more accepting of let's say, a scenario that saw them relegated without playing another game than some clubs, shall we put it. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that, yeah. I have to ask you, Matt, about uh, an eight-team playoff campaign or oh, a nine-team yeah. or a ten-team. Let's just get everyone in the playoffs, I say. Um, no, I mean, it's it's headline-worthy, isn't it? It's It sounds both horrendous and amazing in equal measure. Uh, I'm not quite sure who came up with it and how realistic it is, though, so I was hoping you might be able to clear that up. Yeah, I can tell you. Um, it was it was discussed. Uh, it, it is very much clearly the idea of those six because we know that of those six, uh, Ipswich 
who what are they 11th you know they, they, they were part of the sixth well, i noticed uh, that i noticed ipswich being mentioned in this despite the fact that if it was done on points per game gillingham yeah. would go above ipswich yeah yeah that's right that's right yeah you're absolutely right they're 11 from points per game so um yeah look this is almost it's almost like a playoff for those who who, who want one it's a playoff for those who can afford it where do, where do, where do you draw the line um do you do you say everyone can be in the playoff if if it was mathematically possible that you could have made it because you know you weren't definitely out of the playoffs so what is that is that shrewsbury is that lincoln where how big is this playoff going to be it's going to be like um mls hmm. you know where you have this whole season to, to you know to to exclude eight teams it's really, you know, I, I just, um, I, I, I don't think this is this is a goer. Look, and you I, couldn't have, presumably, after what we've discussed, unbelievably unlikely that there would come a time where the championship had a four-team playoff and the and League One had an eight-team playoff and League Two had a four-team playoff. Well, I, I know that the EFL board feel that if League One, they're all being invited to vote indicatively. They 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 are told that guys. By all means, come up with the best scenario, best solution for, for your division. But all of this then will have to be ratified by the FA and the the league-wide vote. So, you know, bear that in mind. Um, so let's just say, um, I mean, I, I, the whole thing about the, the, the enlarged playoff is, I spoke to quite a few people about it, and I, and I heard, I think, five or six different versions of it. So some people were like, well, okay, if we're going two down, if, we get, if we're going to go all the way to eighth, why aren't we going two up? Let's bring Coventry into it. Let's have a top eight playoff. Because that, that, you know, that in terms of sort of principles of fairness, Coventry haven't sealed it yet. And I was thinking, well, just hold on a minute. Just think about the logistics of a vote. Why would Coventry vote for that? Why, why would, you know, that's the, you've lost a vote there, surely. And Rotherham aren't going to go for that. So then, you know, you have this whole scenario again with, you know, Ipswich being keen, but, but not, really being close enough to deserve it. Doncaster, I don't think, were part of the six, were they? So sort of Doncaster are keeping quiet. Is that just because Doncaster are being a bit like Port Vale and Bradford? Are they just being kind of, you know, magnanimous and keeping their head down and going with the flow? I mean, we, it's... it's. I can't tell you all the clubs that told me, but, I mean, one of the clubs that are in the playoffs were, were quite adamant that, well, this is a really weird season, so why can't we be weird? Why can't we think of something that's novel and interesting and, we'll, and, we'll, and, and fans at home will like? Why can't we have a 16 playoff? They do things like this in Super League or, you know, in other sports. Mm. Um, yeah, let's, let's, you know, there's, there's, you know, let's, let's, let's take this as an opportunity. We've got a clean piece of paper here. We haven't had a coronavirus a pandemic before, but it just goes back to the EFL board are very, very keen to base this in their rule book as best they can. And League Two have set a precedent. Okay, you could argue they are, you know, not the definitive precedent, but they've set a precedent. And more importantly, the championship. Can you see if, if you're if you're in a if you're if you've made the championship playoff, why would you why would you want more jeopardy? Why would you want more teams? Why would you want to diminish your chances of, of reaching the Premier League? I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the subject of of the owners and the difficulty of doing so. I mean, it was it was you that broke the piece, um, broke the news in your piece a couple of weeks ago about the possibility of weighted PPG. And, you know, I, I saw your tweet when it was came out the FL were now going for non-weighted PPG, which was, of yeah. course, not the desired option from what we thought a couple of days ago. And, and you know, we've got 
And Darren McCanty seems to be at the forefront of this group of six sides who, who want to play football. But whilst they're going out and saying how much they want to play football, they're also also saying what they think the best course of action would be if there isn't any football being played, which is totally different compared yeah. to the six of them. Is there any, I mean, this might be conspiracy theory for me, but the fact that Darren McCanty very loudly you know, went on Sky, tweeted, you know, orchestrated these six statements from the clubs and suddenly the PPG <laughs> preference changed. Was there any chance that that, you know, wasn't particularly well received by the people at the EFL making the decisions here? Or is that just me trying to trying to stir something that isn't even there? Uh, no, I, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm intrigued. I hadn't thought of that. I... I my take on on weighted and non-weighted PPG was, um, I think we can I think we can now speak freely about this. Um, it it was proposed by Oxford United, right? I am shocked. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, well, it was suggested by Oxford United, but it is of course based on. It's a, it's a model used by other sports. Rugby Union have used it for everything kind of below tier two, I think. Um, and there's a there's a logic to it, you know. If if you have eight games left and five of them are at home and three are away, you you do better at home. You do away, and you should be that should be recognised. And um, when it was proposed, when the idea was circulated by Oxford United, um, it was very it was quite favourably well received. You know, me and a few other journos, you know, we we, we ran around. You know, what what do you think? And even people who missed out had to sort of admit, well, I can see the logic to it. I can see the logic to it. And then they'd sort of, you know, mumble or, you know, go off on something else that, that they preferred or, or we want to do this. Though. But yeah, I, no one could dispute there was a logic to it. And what was really interesting to me was uh, I spoke to a few senior people in in the game who who initially saw the logic as well and, and, thought, and thought it could well end up being the fairest way to go. And... Um, and it was, it was, you know, I, I wrote my piece and others wrote, wrote similar pieces, you know, hearing and reporting the same thing. And what was really interesting about the League 2 meeting was coming out of that meeting, some of the clubs were still a little bit confused as to what they'd agreed. I don't know if you saw uh, the BBC and a few other outlets reported initially that they'd agreed weighted points per game. And I sort of thought, oh, that's nice, good to know. And then I started to see, hold on a minute, we're, we're not sure what they've agreed. It now looks like I'm waiting. And we had to wait sort of a half an hour, an hour, I can't remember what it was now, uh, for the press release to come out from the EFL to say, no, it's unweighted. So I sort of phone around what happened. And, I, and then, as I say, then I got to the bottom of it that they, they had, the EFL board had, had thought long and long and hard about it. And they had just decided to go on this principle of not being predictive. Now, you know, draw from that what you will they, they just they, they felt that by giving teams that have more home games to come a sort of an assumption that they will that they will win those games or, or win more of them than than than, than their away games is, is too predictive mm. and they just needed to base this system on what you've achieved so far so it's just your average points so far um but that's but that's you know that that's a recommendation that league two agreed to it league one might not Champ the championship might not mm. who knows the premier league if push comes to shove might not well i think i'm right in saying maybe and i'm trying to do all the maths in my head which is just uh, i'm onto a loser already but i believe in league two 
weighted versus non-weighted was uh, pretty imperceptible. It didn't really yeah. make any difference to any of the big questions anyway. In, in terms it, of you're, abso- you're absolutely right. So, you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah. So it's not. It's no surprise that maybe for some of them they were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't yeah. make any difference. Yeah. They, they wouldn't have been thinking about that to the same extent as these teams in League One, who are all you know separated by a quarter of a point or whatever it is. Um, ridiculous scenarios across the three divisions. Um, and Matt, I know you've got lots to do, so we will let you get on with the rest of your day and, and working out what's coming out from the first day of, of the week, uh, having had a busy week last week. One last question. Um, mm-hmm. we, we are interested in um, in the potential for playoff campaigns. Um, ironically mm-hmm. enough, there is some self-interest from George and Ali from Not the Top Twenty podcast here because uh, you know it would be great for us to to, yeah. co- to cover some EFL football again and, and do what we enjoy doing most. So that might be naked self-interest. But um, I, I, aside from the eight-team playoff proposal in League One, let's say that there will be three four-team playoffs, and that seems you know it seems to be something that's got got a bit of support from from quite a lot of the clubs involved uh, across all three divisions. Is there has there been any planning or contingency planning about the how and the where and the when that's a really good question and that's pretty much my next my next sort of line of line of inquiry i i i think they probably just want to get um a little bit more consensus on, on where they're at um i look i know some people have sort of said well look you know is it going to be the usual home and away semis or do we go neutral venues do we do we sort of turn it into a kind of a week of playoff football at Wembley? Maybe Wembley, have, you know, very you know very keen to to stay some football there. Mm. The, um, the FA have you know have offered their help. Um, you know, I think I think to, to be discussed, to be to be confirmed. I mean, I think those conversations will will be will be ongoing. Um, it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I, you know, if you've come third. You know, you want your advantage over the sixth place team, and likewise fourth and fifth. It, does it does a neutral venue just sort of kind of wipe out that that advantage that, that that you've earned over the course of a season? Does it matter behind closed doors? You know, you know, it's as I say, these are these are unusual times. Mm. But I think I think it's I think it's if if my my gut feeling would be neutral venues just yeah. to cut down on if if there is a concern. That's been expressed already in League Two. It's being expressed in League One. Some clubs in the Championship are expressing it around costs and logistics. Let's just minimise that. Mm. Let's just go with three, three-game playoffs. Okay, George, we better buy a tent and make sure that there's a plot of land nearish Wembley that we can pitch up on for <laughs> for a week or so. Um, come what may. Um, is there anything else, George? I think I've exhausted all of my slightly discombobulated brain has been has been well fed by Matt Slater here. Yeah, I guess just just the last question would be, you know, it's Monday today. A lot will, will have changed come kind of Friday. Is there any timeline that we should know about in terms of, of meeting times and meeting days that, that, that will be important? There's um, there's a League One meeting tomorrow, Tuesday. I suspect we'll get some decisions on Friday. I think I think a lot of I think League One and League Two will be wrapped up. Well, I mean, pending as I say, what the Championship does, I'll be amazed if League One goes beyond this week. Right. I don't think we'll be. I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll be doing this uncertainty next week. I think it's this week decision week. I feel like they should televise the next League One meeting. Yeah, I'd yeah. Love to see it. I know. <laughs> 
well, it's a bit like this. They, they use a team system. So uh, yeah, they go. They're 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 there in you know in video, and you know you see each other when someone's talking, and, into and they the, go around. They go around and vote one by one into the whites of the eyes. Um, thank you yeah. so much, Matt, for joining us. Really appreciate you giving us your time and 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 no little expertise as well. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. All right. We will stay tuned to the Athletic all week for the various exclusives that we uh, have come to expect from you. So no pressure. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Take care. And George, while we were chatting to Matt there, some breaking news out of the EFL, some sad news in many ways. Uh, another example, I dare say we'll see plenty more of how the coronavirus is affecting the business side of football and, and therefore impacting on the football side of things as well. Yeah, Nigel Clough has left Burton Albion. Uh, reading the um, piece on their website as well, it reads very similarly to the Luton press release a couple of weeks ago when Graham Jones left the club uh, with uh, them being pretty open and honest about it being a financial decision uh, after a pretty frank conversation with, with Nigel Clough and a couple of members of backroom staff. Uh, they've all agreed that for the benefit of the club, he'll be stepping down. Jake Buxton will be taking over as player manager, so already bringing in a, a, a wage on the playing side, I guess, to take over the range, range managerially. Um, and, you know, it's a sad moment because this is obviously Nigel Clough's second spell in charge of Burton, um, probably because of the unbelievable work that he's done there in the past. We forget that even keeping Burton in a safe position in League One as they are at the moment is in itself a pretty incredible achievement given the, the wage budget and maybe the calibre of player that they have compared to those teams around them. So, you know, he's someone that you went to go and speak to a few months ago for a, a not top 20 meets, you know, he's someone that we've really enjoyed covering as Burton manager, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, he's going to be popping up somewhere fairly soon when this all gets going again. But yeah, yeah sad I, news. What? I was going to say, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Uh, it, it makes me realise, and we are just reacting to this news as it's coming out, basically. But um, it, it was interesting at the end of, of that episode of NTT 20 meets when I spoke about the fact that, uh, he is very wedded to Burton, having taken over them in non-league uh, when he had just retired, uh, been player manager, and, and obviously in a second spell as well, uh, enjoyed great success. And we discussed whether that might be uh, almost at the detriment to his uh, to any other f uh, career ambitions that he might have outside of managing Burton. He did mention that you know it, it was sometimes frustrating that a man with his experience in the game uh, and and as a manager in English football wasn't necessarily. Um, thought of uh, in 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 terms of many applications for for championship jobs that he'd put in, uh, and but but ultimately I think, and this is another example of it. It comes down to a, an amazing and very rare uh, relationship between manager and chairman uh, in Ben Robinson. Um, you know, Nigel Clough and, and Burton Albion have, have been synonymous with each other for, for so long. So you can understand why this looks like a very altruistic. Um, step really in, in order to try and safeguard the future of, of staff at the club and I think you know anyone who's visited Burton and anyone who has an understanding of how that club is run uh, and what a sort of tight-knit community it is will, will probably not be surprised that Nigel Clough has, uh, has taken that decision uh, along with his brother Simon who he's always worked very closely with on the recruitment side. Um, that is big news from League One. I dare say we might see more of this over the next few weeks and months. It's going to be a really difficult period. Um, we've obviously talked to Matt about how we're going to get football back and what they're going to do to decide who goes up and who goes down. But ultimately, there's going to be significant human impact, uh, significant 
uh, impact for clubs uh, in a business perspective. And, you know, we are going to be talking about lots of things like this that we would never have considered covering before because it simply wouldn't have happened. Um, and that is difficult. And just to finish the pod, uh, something a little bit more lighthearted, something that we've been pretty excited to do for the last three weeks. George, uh, welcome to the Nicht die Top Aktien podcast. <laughs> Our new foray into the Zweite Bundesliga. Talk me through it. Ein, zwei, drei. Yeah. <laughs> uh, given that there was no EFL football this weekend, we just thought we'd have 10 minutes just having a quick chat through the uh, Bundesliga Zwei. And that's what we're going to be doing after a thrilling weekend of football uh, down oh. there. Can't say, can't say that I followed too much of it in the past, but to get us underway... I thought I should just point out that there was some EFL interest in Germany over the weekend. Some nice. of the EFL's finest playing in both the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga's Zwei. Uh, Tony Leisner, old um, QPR player. I think he's still actually there. I think he's on loan mm-hmm. at Köln. Köln went 2-0 up, uh, but they managed to concede twice late on and, and draw that game 2 all. Sheffield Wednesday had a couple of loanees out. Matt Penny featured for St. Pauli. Uh, who were managed by Jos Lahukai. So Lahukai took Penny with him um, to St. Pauli and they beat Nuremberg 1-0. So getting really back underway in good form, Lahukai side. And finally, um, not such a good weekend for Yusuf van Aachen, the oh, other yeah. Sheffield Wednesday loney who is at Osnabrück. Mm-hmm. They played against Armenia Bielfeld, <laughs> who uh, Armenia, as I'm going to call them, top of the league. Uh, going into this game, I went one 0 up early for a penalty, only for, which was given away by Van Aken. So Van Aken, the Sheffield Wednesday, only giving away a penalty in the 17th minute. Um, but the home side came under some pressure by Osnabrück and ended up conceding in the 93rd minute to draw one 0 They remain seven points clear at the top of the Bundesliga's by. Um, but that was probably the key game of the weekend. And I've got some thoughts, Ali, that you might be interested to hear on on that top team. I would love to hear it. It was an interesting weekend uh, at the top of this division. I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, on Armenia Bielefeld, especially as league leaders. Armenia Bielefeld, rather than Armenia um, of Henrik Mkhitaryan fame, I should say, mm. in case anyone's getting confused. Yeah, there's seven points here at the top of the Bundesliga side. Um, and just looking at this game, you know, watching the highlights back, I wasn't very impressed at all. They only had four shots in the match in its entirety, one of which was a penalty, two of which were from absolutely appalling shot locations. So I decided to dig a little bit deeper. I mean, there's seven points clear at the moment ahead of Hamburg and Stuttgart, two former Bundesliga sides, two wow. giants. They, they must be a really impressive second-tier team, George. I just don't think they are, mate. I'm not having it <laughs> at all. They played 26 games. They won 14 of them. They drew 10. They lost two. They've only conceded 25 goals in, in a league that is full of goals. I mean, the fact that they've played 26 conceded 25, so averaging, average conceding a goal a game, and that is by far the best defensive record in the Bundesliga side, makes me think that maybe we should actually do a podcast on this league because it's obviously pretty tasty. Um, but they are massively outperforming their attacking numbers. They mm. are, they've had about the eighth most shots in the league, about this ninth most shots in, inside the penalty area. Looking at Scouts uh, data as well, they are consistently overperforming and the, the one all draw they got at home on the weekend was a was a lucky point at home to a side currently just two points above the relegation zone just ahead of a, a side Weihan crucially not Wuhan mm. uh, but with an E instead of a U so anyone here listening out there who wants an interest maybe I'm saying that Arminia Bielfeld are 
not a solid bet to win this division. I think that they might come unstuck. Well, I'm thrilled that you've that you've focused on them because I wanted to touch on the two teams below them, Hamburg and Stuttgart. And I'm not a huge fan of these two sides either. And I, I, to be honest, you know, you make a compelling case for Armenia being there to be shot at at the top of the Zweite Bundesliga. But I'm not sure I trust Hamburg or Stuttgart to be the ones to, to chase them down. I mean, it was the story of their season this weekend. How many times have we sat here and said... These sides have got to start putting teams away better than this. I mean, it's getting, it's bordering on comical, even with a two-month gap without games. You know, the same old story. Stuttgart going down 2-1 at Weyen, as you said, and, and Hamburg 2-all at Greuther Firth. These are games <laughs> that they've got to be winning. I mean, with, with Stuttgart, you know, the team that picked up, uh, well, that started the, re- the return with a, with a defeat, um, what can you say? It's just a, another performance where they've had more of the ball, they've had more shots, where, you know, in terms of underlying numbers, you could say they're unlucky. But at this stage of the season, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop saying it's unlucky. I'm going to say that, that it's not good enough, that there's a psychological issue here, probably at play with both sides, just such bad game management. Um, we're looking at, at the team, the two teams with the most shots, with the most possession. We can We can picture it even in championship terms what these teams look like how their games play out but they're so consistent in not doing the business in not winning games that they should be winning and that says to me they've got a soft center certainly with Stuttgart I think we're looking at at too many players just happy to pick up a decent wage for a a, a, you know a historic German club but but ultimately not performing to the level expected I mean you know can you be relying on Mario Gomez as a nine you know, in in the modern game, I know it's a it's a level below where he's played for most of his career. I know that a goal scorer's instinct very rarely dies, but I'm looking at I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, could we have someone more mobile up there? Could we have someone in a more modern mould? Could we be progressing this team to the next level because it's not been good enough for the last few years? And you could say this exactly the same about Hamburg. Copy and paste that. Uh, that little bit of analysis just so disappointing there's people that say oh these are big clubs for the level these are big clubs oh, mostly their fans mate mostly their fans oh I'd say. we're a big club we should be in the bundesliga well big look, clubs look th- this is a meritocracy the german football system like in england and you are not meriting being in the top tier at this stage they've got to do more for me i think you've got to look at both managers as well and and you know their fans would have been so excited to get back to the season to try and get towards Armenia, who are, who are seven points clear, and it's just back to the usual. I mean, I want to shout out, you said ein, zwei, drei, I think the three German words that you know uh, at the top of this section. Wir, fünf, sechs, eben, acht, neun. Eben? What is that? <laughs> you've just made up, a, you've made up a word instead of seven there, instead oh, of no. sieben. Instead of sieben. Sieben, did I not say sieben? You said eben. <laughs> Yeah, I just dropped my consonants, you know. <laughs> well, it only took ein, zwei, drei minuten for Dennis Dickmeyer to get a red card. Blimey, um, mate. Yeah, wow. I know. I mean, something of a protest, you have to say, when you're getting sent off after three minutes and his side suffered because of it. A couple of other things to touch on elsewhere. Uh, a good, solid 3-0 win for Bokum. Uh, it was a poor performance from, from their opponents, Heidenheim, and we know that they're an entertaining side, Heidenheim, but slightly chaotic. Dare I say, potentially the Barnsley of, of this division. Uh, Bokum swept them aside. Uh, really notable performances from Suarez, the fullback, the, the left-back, had a fantastic game. And Blades Analytic, who, who of course, loves all thing lower league, saying probably the best engine he'd seen all weekend on, uh, on Suarez. Consistently up and down, offering an outlet and destroyed Bush, who's normally solid, but looked like he'd enjoyed a Frankfurter too many in the break. Um, and then uh, two other players I wanted to note. Uh, Jordan Osei Tutu, 
who plays for Bochum on loan from Arsenal. Uh, had, nice. a, had a fantastic game. So, uh, you know, standard seeing a Premier League loanee impacting games in the second tier. We talk about that every week. Um, playing as a winger, uh, we thought he was more of a right back or a right wing back, but he's thriving we in that did, role. Yeah. Um, fantastic in transition, very lively. Uh, and again, Blades Analytics saying one to watch out for and we can expect a championship loan any time soon. Uh, I've got a song for him if he does go up. Um, oh my I've, God, here we go. I said boom, boom, boom. Jordan, I say two, 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 two. I said boom, boom, boom. So there you go. We're looking forward to that. And I was last, hoping it was going to be Desmond related, but you let me down. Last but not least, I'm taking a very quick look at Joachim Nilsson. Uh, he plays for Armenia Bielefeld. He's their centre-back. And InfoGoal tweeted that, uh, you know, from centre-back on the weekend, 138 touches, 121 accurate passes from 126 with a 96% accuracy rate and seven out of nine accurate long balls. Uh, I think he is a lefty as well. I saw his heat map and he looked fairly left of centre. So I'm quite excited about that guy. We're going to be looking for someone like, I don't know, Sheffield Wednesday or someone else (laughs) to sign him at some point in the near future. I'm going to flag up a quick progressive passer because I have to. Yep. Uh, Marvin Wanitzek at uh, Karlsruhe mm-hmm. uh, put in, in a very good performance in a 2-0 home win against uh, Darmstadt scoring a goal very very tidy on the ball he's got 9 assists this season as well playing just that number 10 role really the kind of player that I like I'm seeing flashes of Jack Grealish in him uh, as he goes through so look out for uh, for well, there's a bit of fun for, for lovers of second-tier football the world over uh, the Zweite Bundesliga, uh, analysed by the Nicht D Top Aktien podcast. <laughs> and you got to hear George count to, well, maybe six in the end, I think. Um, <laughs> guys, thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in, as, as ever, to this Monday podcast. We, we had a very self-indulgent one last week as we celebrated four years. We talked about how committed we are to continue with this and, frankly, how difficult we are finding it at the moment, uh, as many other people are. But this feels like a, uh, a, a, good classic, a good classic example of lockdown Monday podding. Um, some, some serious stuff from someone who, who really, really does know what they're talking about in Matt Slater. Um, a bit of news, Nigel Clough leaving. And some Burton, nonsense. And some serious nonsense as well. So thanks for joining us. Make sure that you are subscribed to this. Make sure you tune into the Going Up, Going Down podcast and be subscribed to that because we will have another pod dropping for you second half of the week as well. And uh, also, if you head to our Twitter page, we've done three 15-minute videos uh, for Sky Sports, uh, which are talking about some of our favourite talent in Leagues 1 and League 2. Uh, certainly uh, Ivan Tony, certainly Rob Dickey and certainly Perry and G are discussed at length and if that sounds like something you'd like to listen to or watch then we spoke to David Pratton on Zoom and you can see that on the Sky Sports website. Uh, stay well this week, stay safe and we'll talk again this time next week. <laughs>